Welcome to OVS Orbit, Episode 3. Now here's your host, Ben Faff. Thanks, Cassie. Our first two episodes were both interviews of developers, but I like to talk to users, too, when I get a chance. It helps to balance my view of how people really feel about OpenVSwitch, because when I don't seek out users, I mostly hear from them in bug reports. No one sends compliments, just complaints. Anyway, in this episode, I'm interviewing Chad Norgan of Rackspace. Even though it's hard to tell how many users there are for open source software, I think that Rackspace has to be one of the biggest users out there. Not only are they big, they've been using OpenVSwitch for a long time, since before VMware acquired Nasera in 2012. Since they're so big, and since they've been using OVS for so long, they've been through a lot and their experience is really valuable for OVS development. Think about it for a second. If you have a bug that triggers one-tenth of one percent of the time, and you have 5,000 machines, then you can expect that bug to appear on five of your machines at any given time. I've talked to Chad several times before, sometimes even when he didn't have a bug report. Even so, I learned new things from this interview. I hope you do too. On to the interview. I'm here with Chad Norgan from Rackspace, and we're, uh, we're going to uh, talk about OpenVSwitch a little bit. Chad, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and about uh, what you do? Sure. Uh, I work on the public cloud for Rackspace. I'm on their engineering team, specifically on the cloud networking piece. So that's kind of anywhere, as soon as it leaves the physical networking switch, how do we get that to the VIF? Um, all that layer in between those two. Um, how that coordinates with Neutron, you think, you know, the control plane, orchestrating that to how they actually the data path and the packets flow. You work on the entire path of the packet then? Correct, yeah. We're kind of the data path networking for public cloud. Do you find yourself wrangling things at every level? Where do you spend most of your time? It's changed over the years. You know, early it was a lot more towards the system engineering and, and maintaining, making sure the fleet's running well. So, you know, customer escalates, I've got this, you know, packet loss or this kind of weird problem. Tracing that through, finding where the problem is. Um, a lot of that's gone away as OVS has matured. It's gotten more performant. Um, we've actually, you know, the role now is we get to do a lot more fun developing stuff. So uh, we've moved now to playing with, an, you know, buying an SDN controller to putting an SDN controller for just, you know, we now handle them just for east-west, and we do all pretty much all of our bridge networking flow, so writing the actual open flow to get packets in and out for some of our networks because you can attach to one of many. Um, additionally, we've also started playing now with writing our own little little bitty chassis controller we under the Ryu framework. Um, to actually start playing with something a little more interactive so we can actually do, rather than just keying off kind of a, events from state changes from VMs, we can actually programmatically say, hey, someone's pushed a new security group, I can now go push that into OpenFlow directly. I did not realize that you that you found yourself implementing controllers and, uh, and writing... Uh, We've got uh, some mad scientists behind the scenes. Uh, actually, today is, actually marks the first day it's actually gone out to production, so we actually have a select number of hypervisors actually baking it right now. So. Wow. See, I, I would have a, a hard time uh, of being calm in situations like that. Uh, <laughs> and being at a conference while the rest of the team's doing it. But no, it's, it's, it's gone through a lot of testing in a couple of years of development, so it's kind of fun to be at this end. That must feel good having it. Yeah, having and it it's been a successful deploy. There was no, no red alarms, no nothing to that extent. So, How did you first come along in vSwitch? Uh, where, where did that uh, come into the picture? Prior to joining the, open, the cloud team, I actually worked at Rackspace doing, in their backbone doing the DNS infrastructure. And there's actually a pretty pretty close blend between systems engineering and the network space and DNS because um, the way we were implementing it was using Anycast and a lot of people were using Quagga to do the announcements to affect how those the traffic for the DNS servers came into all the actual servers and how we spread that across. 
Um, and so kind of got pulled along with all this opportunity to do the same sort of space as STN was just kind of getting launched on our next generation cloud. So kind of came in there and then opened vSwitch was being used, but very primitively, or well, we primitively were in our first generation cloud. Second generation we, we paired with, with VMware, or Nicira at that time, or MVP. And so it was kind of the MVP deployment and subsequently you gotta have OBS to go along with it, kind of just brought us with it. And then from there, fall in love with it. I love the way it operates and cleanly, the model, the tools that are there to be able to inspect. And you know, you, you can't go to a physical switch and trace through how it com computed to getting this output. You know, you can take a data path flow from OBS, pipe it through the OF Pro Tracer, and actually see every rule and table you hit to get out to the decision. It's a neat way of being able to interact with the network. You're an OBS power user yeah. in, in ways I, I never realized. Um, I'm, I'm always pointing out the OF Proto Trace function. It, it is a super powerful tool um, to be able to kind of take, I've got something, a data path, I've got something, I'm not seeing it happen how I expect. How can I see how that actual decision process brought me to this point and to be able to trace it? Since you're using the tools much more, uh, uh, much more deeply than, than most people, do you have some ideas for how they should be improved? What would make your life easier? Honestly, the constructs are there. It's, it's knowing how to piece together because you've got to dump a data path tool, a data path to be able to find the flow that's matching either the traffic you're generating that's not getting the result, and then being able to take that and pump it right into the next command. You do have to strip off some things. So maybe if you had a way of dumping the data path flow that left off like the extra pack accounts and those extra things that you could know, uh, I could pump that straight out. If I could match on that, um, I could pump that straight into the tracer. Too. Are you a command line and cut and paste guy? I haven't thought about it before, but would some kind of a UI be, uh, be, be handy? I prefer CLIs. Okay. So generally, I'm, on a, I'm generally on the hypervisor with the traffic, so having all of the GUIs and generators is overkill for us. Mm -hmm. Are there, uh, I don't know, weaknesses in logging at all? Uh, do you think you spend too much time tracing and you'd rather have a log to tell you what happened? I mean, we already have the construct. I can tune on whether or not I'm in a debug log or inter information log on the fly with the app control or app kettle commands. So far, there hasn't been a point where I feel like there's a, there's a big gap with the logging. I mean, if anything, you can get to where you're logging an extreme amount. There's always a compromise. Between there's always a compromise. Yeah. yeah. If so. You can just waste a lot of disk space. If, yeah. So. Not useful. You've given a couple of talks ab about OpenV Switch, and some of those have focused on performance. So yeah. th there, there's sort of a, a whole backstory on, on OpenV Switch performance. But how have you seen its performance evolve over time? Oh, it's definitely been, there's been incremental improvements through the entire chain. I know you know those big ones with like one nine and getting stuff broken out of the main processing loop, so that logging and those other functions weren't back backing up the traffic processing and, and classifying to mega flows, to be able to reduce our flow counts. Because we sometimes we actually had customers or enough customers on one box to where we had an, un, enough unique data path flows that the evictor was constantly pushing out a flow that it knew it wasn't going to need to reinsert two seconds later when the next packet came along that was uh, needed for that. And so having mega flows and the complete rewrite of the eviction, uh, how you guys are purging out data path flows, actually has made it much more performant. And then multi-threading on the user space so that we can classify all, anything that's a miss uh, gets through much faster now. Does DPDK have any interest to you guys? So the only place I could see where DPDK would be valuable for us would be if OVS was using some sort of aggregation role. So if OVS is now taking the traffic for, let's say, several hypervisors, and maybe I'm making an in-cap box, where I actually not so, I don't need a lot of the CPU on that resource for anything other than pushing packets. 
So for an appliance, for an appliance kind of model. But for on the host, the cost of losing any kind of kernel interaction and losing a core uh, to run in DPDK, it kind of makes it a hard sell. That's losing a huge fraction of our available CPU that we can then sell to customers. That makes sense. That's always seemed to me like the compromise. One of the performance points that I always see DPDK people emphasize is the, the performance with very short packets, like 64-byte packets. Yep. <laughs> That's where generally the kernel has its weakness. It's in that interrupt space. It's in that, you know, how, how do I deal with all of these incoming on the receive side? I get the impression that that, that is actually important in, in some use cases, maybe uh, maybe like NFE, telco type use cases. But do you see in your use cases, is performance at those packet rates important? It's definitely important because as, as a service provider, I don't have the luxury of knowing every load that's going to be online. And someone could be using the public cloud for big data servers where I'm actually pushing full frames. Uh, whereas someone might be doing a very, something very interactive or maybe trying to do SIP or something to that extent on top of a, a public cloud. So we would love every packet to get processed as fast as possible. But I don't know how much of that is in the control of OBS versus you know the Linux kernel. And just the limitations there with this, the architecture. Part of the problem is that the Linux kernel itself has some pretty high per packet overheads. And, yeah. and so it, it's hard to avoid those. We do have some work going on that, that I think is pretty exciting. Uh, over at Cisco, uh, Thomas Graf and, and his yeah. team are doing some work with eBPF so that uh, packets can get to an eBPF program, which is a it's a bytecode uh, kind of a programming language. You can think of it as being sort of equivalent to a Java a virtual machine program. Yeah. The, the BPF program can get to the packet before it really goes through much of that kernel overhead, and it, it might be able to reduce that overhead a lot for some common cases. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, that would be a good try. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty hopeful about it. Uh, maybe I should relate the whole performance story for OBS as I saw it, and sure. maybe you'll have some kind of reaction. Way back in roughly I think 2010, 2011, we were working with you guys and, and, and other customers, and we had this impression that performance was generally good. But at the time, I think you and, and most of our customers were only testing it in these sort of proof-of-concept environments. And, and I mean, we ran one for it in our first-gen cloud, but it was in the later subsequent or cells or huddles of, wait, you know, not all of the cloud was running OBS at that time. And also, we didn't have... You know, I think as the, our public cloud started taking off, we started getting more and more different use cases and more and more different packet profiles um, in there that also exposed, oh, we've got this other limit, you know, when I have these two customers all in the same box doing these, you know, very small packets, very fast rates um, that you just, you don't get until you start getting wide and getting a lot of different types of network traffic. The impression I got was that a lot of the traffic then was really uh, from tests of software like NetPerf and, and iPerf. That, exactly. Uh, that it was generated traffic. Yeah. And then we came along to maybe 2012, 2013, uh, and there was the Nisera acquisition and, and so on. And I, I think that it started moving toward production a little bit more at, at that time. Uh, definitely. I think people, the consumers of public cloud, started now putting more and more of their production loads instead of their test loads into a public cloud. Whereas before, you know, we might have just been there for proof of concept or, you know, some developers, you know, dev stack. Um, there was more and more production and with that, more and more scale and more and more choke points. You know. And what I got out of that is that we, we suddenly had a wider diversity of workloads. Exactly. And at that point, we found out for the first time that some workloads that were really worst cases for OVS at the time yeah. were 
some fraction of the traffic, maybe, yeah. I've always said 5%, but I don't have anything to back that up. Okay. And at, at that point, we, we looked at it and we said, oh my gosh, we've got to redo everything because uh, <laughs> our, our current technique is never going to uh, perform well for this, this kind of traffic. Yeah, and I think it was a known quantity. You know, you do a UDP port scan or you do some of these traffic, so you can have a very noisy neighbor effect on the other people on that V-switch. And so you guys also did a lot of work to make sure that you know one, one port cannot so much influence the, the classifying of another one so that we could have more multi-tenancy there. I personally found the whole thing a little bit embarrassing, and we, we kind of scrambled hard for maybe a, a year or, yeah. or maybe even two years to add all of these techniques, and you, you've mentioned most of them, to make things faster. Yeah, so by the time we get to 2.1, the 2.3 realm, it's a pretty performant beast. <laughs> I, I remember I ran the, the Open Vswitch conference uh, back in 2014, and, and you came. Did you did you give the presentation yeah, at that for, one? First, uh, the first conference. Right, and I invited you, and I, I was nervous what you would actually <laughs> say. And we had a lot of laundry we could have brought up. But yeah. No, I think I think you know the the receptiveness is as it's been an iterative process, and it's always been iterating for the better. You know, we haven't had a regression. Everything always every version is slightly better than the last, and so if you have that trajectory, it's something you still want to stay with. I think of us as the incumbent virtual switch now. For a long time, we were sort of the up-and-coming underdog, but now, now we're the incumbent, and, and everyone, everyone who wants to build some sort of switch, they feel a need to show that they're... Uh, the, yeah, you are now the better. reference architecture that they compare theirs to. Yeah. Which is <laughs> perfectly fair, yeah. and I, I hope that we can continue to learn from what other people are doing and, and improve things. Uh, well, I, hopefully, OVN will kind of help that, especially as you can get OpenStack, a much even easier and cleaner deployment of OVS with OpenStack. I hope that OVN will uh, lead the way in, in some ways. One of the things that I'm hopeful for with OVN is, l looking back, one of the problems we had was realistic traffic generation. With OVN, it'll be a lot easier for people to try this sort of thing out in their own clouds, and maybe we'll hear about problems uh, earlier rather than much later. Do you have any thoughts on what would have been good ways to find out about these performance problems earlier so that we could have fixed them before they became major problems? It's always hard to think of the problem or to know the problem in retrospect. Of course. Um, there's always been a challenge to be able to generate traffic that's real representative of the actual, what an actual traffic you'd see on a hypervisor. What you could do differently though? Yeah, I'm, I don't think I got much for you on that one. <laughs> I can tell you with a new problem, we've actually been a pretty big fan of the Ixia networking equipment or the testing equipment for traffic generation. Um, you have a known quantity that you're no, you know that it can generate the traffic and actually is delivering what it thinks it's delivering versus um, you know running a lot of these iperf or other scripts in the host. You could be having some other issue just dealing with how you're sourcing that traffic and putting it out on the wire that actually you might have more of a broken finger problem that everything you touch looks bad when it's actually how you're testing versus using something that has a very known quantity. So the, the Ixias allow you to eliminate some of the variables in the Exactly, and, and having, having kind of more guaranteed knowledge of the traffic I'm generating is actually traffic that matches our workload and at a level that's actually something that could break or expose these kind of bottlenecks. In a, a forward-looking kind of way, where, where do you see OpenVSwitch going? Where would you like it to go? Or, or where is Rackspace going? Big, pretty big open question. I'd love to see to where you could use the concepts that you have in Open vSwitch higher up the stack, so not just at the hypervisor level, maybe more as an appliance, so that you can do kind of some of these complex routing or the fun of open flow in other places in the data center. 
Well, what, what do you think that would look like? I, I, this is a new idea to me. One idea would be, you know, you, you could have OpenVSwitch kind of inserting itself as, as either a distributed router chain or maybe uh, some encapsulation box to be able to do the decoupling completely of your workload, of your network traffic from your workload. I'd just love to see that kind of flexibility in that layer of, of like the aggregation core router. It almost sounds like you'd like a, a physical switch with the, with that, the OVSDB kind of... and OpenFlow constructs, and, and I still have the flexibility of software, which is kind of right. against it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, E4 starting to make it into yeah. uh, physical switches. Definitely. I think that'll start giving some of that pop power there. Yeah, and we've started playing with some, you know, we've got actually our, our on metal we're offering at Rackspace is now tied in with our NSX cluster, but we're actually now doing, you know, VTIP uh, encapsulation and actually bringing it across to the, the actual virtualized cloud. So, it's fun space. It's coming up. But. Is there anything else that uh, you, you think would be uh, good for our listeners to, to hear? Um, if you haven't played with OF Proto Trace, give it a try. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely my, my favorite uh, favorite tool in the toolbox. Yeah. Um, beyond that, no, that's, that's my, my big one tip. Um, that and the OVSDB log, will, the, the three M's to dump the actual state change of OVSDB for every state. It's, uh, those two commands, you can generally debug anything. OBS. Oh, right. Uh, with uh, OBS DB tool show log. Show log with the three M's. More, more, more. more, more, more. That's what that stands for. Yeah. And it will it'll show you. Uh, every, every you can replay your entire switch configuration, configuration changes from the inception all the way down to every VIF uh, through. And corresponding that with you know the flows and when those got inserted, you can pretty much replay a lot of scenarios. That, that feature debugging. has been really useful for debugging controller problems. Yeah, definitely. When, you know, why is this metadata not rolling up? Or why, who changed this and removed uh, this setting? Uh, well, it was just there, and now it's not there in the OVSDB. And seeing you know, what entity updated that and reach into that, it's a powerful tool. So how can people uh, contact you on, on the internet? I'm on Twitter at, at Chad underscore Norgan, or uh, I'm on the IRC on the free nodes, uh, Beardy McBeards, uh, all together. All right, thanks a lot. using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution unported 3.0 license. For more information about OpenVSwitch and OVS Orbit, please visit openvswitch.org.